My name is Abby, and I'm the voice behind the Evolving Love Project. In this podcast, my husband and I deep dive into the topics of non-monogamy and polyamory, drawing from our experiences from the last eight years of being consensually non-monogamous. My name is Liam. Whether you're monogamous, polyamorous, curious, or anything in between, we invite you to join the conversation. Let's begin. In today's episode, we discuss coming out to our family, non-monogamy and parenting, our relationship to masturbation, and the role of perfectionism in Abby being her best dom self. Here we are, finally, on to episode six of our podcast. We had a bit of a longer break in between episodes, but we're super excited to be back on. We've just been very busy with life, work, different things, Mm. Uh, a bit of... uh, Cheeky field research as well. Yep, doing our due diligence <laughs> for all the listeners out there. Exactly, exactly. A lot has a lot has been happening, but we're happy to be here. We have a really exciting episode today. We have uh, some amazing questions that have been sent into us, so we're going to play some of these voice memos. We are, we are. We're going to get into these questions, have a little chat about them. Um, yeah, they're all very different to each other, so it's going to be it's going to be exciting to to get amongst it. Yeah, I'm excited. Let's go. Question number one. Hi, I really enjoy your podcast and I have a couple of questions from a parent slash grandparent point of view. I'm wondering if you have any advice for couples who are about to discuss their open or polyamorous relationship with their own parents and extended family and uh, maybe what your own experience of this is and whether you've got any suggestions for how best um, their own parents could support their adult children in their choices. Amazing. Um, That voice is very familiar are you going to share Liam it is it is a little familiar and uh full disclosure that is my lovely mother who has submitted that question um what a legend um and thanks for 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 chucking it in there she is an absolute legend I love that she's been uh listening to the podcast she's completely up to date with the episodes she's uh, a full supporter and on board and yeah it's really amazing and I guess we should talk about you know this is going to bring up the discussion around how we came out to our parents because we've been I guess we've been out for about I don't know almost a year well with your family yes but I actually had told my parents uh four years ago I told my mum when it, she came over to New York for my 30th birthday celebrations and I was pregnant at the time and I wanted to let her know because some of the people who were going to be at the party were, um, you know, people who we were close with and sort of lovers with. Not that it was going to, uh, not that she would be particularly aware of that, but I just felt like sharing that with her. Well, there was a potential chance, I know, that we'd talked about the potential chance of, of summing and giving, coming up and giving a little kiss on the lips and her being quite confused at, uh, at the side of this. Oh, amazing. I don't even remember that, but I remember the conversation that I had with my mum and, yeah, I feel really fortunate in that my parents, uh, they have a lot of, you know, love and respect and have a very open heart for you know, me living my authentic life and as long as I'm happy and not hurting anybody or myself, you know, they're in full support. So my when I told my mum, she was just really intrigued and just mm. asked some really interesting specific questions, which I sort of tried to navigate without sharing too much. But she was just really interested in it, but also she was very much like, oh, well, this doesn't really surprise me. You two are really out there. You've always been, you know, you're a very, you know, what did she say? She was like, you're a very, very happening, happening couple. Yeah. She calls us a happening couple. She's like, you guys are, you know, happening and definitely happening. She's like, I always think that Liam has like a twinkle in his eye or something like it's so funny. So there you go. Can you remember what one of the questions were? You, you dangled the carrot just then. Yeah. She was very much like, okay, does this mean that you're 
just with women, like if you're bi, are you non-monogamous because you're bisexual and you want to be with other women? Like, what does it actually look like? She was like, oh, you know, but of course Liam's not, Liam's not with other women. And I was like, (laughs) yeah, he is. And she was like, oh, wow. Okay. Well, you know, but I know he's very in love with you and I can see that and you're having a baby. And I was just like, yeah, of course, like that doesn't change anything. Um, Yeah, so she was sort of interested in that. But I think from that parent perspective, Mm. you know, I initially and instinctively was reassuring her that everything is okay, like we're together, we're happy, this doesn't change anything, we're still the couple that she's always known, it's just now she just happens to know a little bit more. So, you know, I think if I had been letting her know that this was something new that we were about to start trying, she would probably feel really nervous about it because we're always, we've always been a really happy couple, very connected. And she would have felt very nervous, I think. But the fact that I was letting her know that this is something that's been going on for a long time. Mm. uh, Now she's just privy to it. She was just sort of thought it was really exciting and she just had questions. Like she's just like, where does this happen? What, what are you, is this just in New York City? Is just, is this just what New Yorkers do? This wouldn't be happening in Australia, you know, and I was sort of like, oh, I don't know, probably is. <laughs> yeah. And now we know. Now we know the answer to that question. Yeah. But back to your mother's amazing uh, voice memory that she sent in. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about coming out to your family? Yeah, well, I think it's important to to explain the backdrop to which the coming out happened, um, because kind of like like you, my parents are, are quite progressive and and um, not necessarily religious. So we didn't, you know, in a similar way to your parents, it's not like we grew up in the Catholic Church and we had this kind of like intense like religious dogma and. And uh, there was always that kind of, you know, this would be the greatest taboo, you know, um, committing adultery or anything, anything like that. So it was kind of, uh, we weren't initially pushing against that when we were coming out to our parents. It was more like a, the, the taboo of the open relationship being, being something to, to kind of discuss. Um, so when I came out to, to my parents, you know, as, as you'd said, it was, a, it was probably a, f- a few years after... Um, we'd come out to your parents. Your parents kind of knew for, for a little bit longer, right? Yeah, my parents knew for longer. and I think, But I think that we actually decided to come out to your parents because of my writing and my pages mm. and having different people, you know, circles of people were starting to find out and know uh, who, you know, know your parents. And mm. we just didn't want it to come out and be a shock. We wanted to really own the narrative um, make sure that they know that everything's fine. Take the time to have any chats that need to happen instead of, you know, a family friend or a parent of one of our friends mentioning to your mum, oh, you know, we've heard about their relationship and, mm. you know, family members being blindsided and concerned. So I think that was really the um, instigator to share because it was sort of on a need to know basis. And I think up until that point, we sort of had felt like, it doesn't really impact them. Mm. You know, there's not really anything to be gained by sharing with them. But now I'm just so glad that we have, you mm. know, but I think the fact that they were going to find out at some point, so we wanted to... Well, take- that's the thing, isn't it? It's, it's like what you're saying, controlling the narrative, making sure that we get to tell our side of the story before they hear it as like secondhand, like gossip along the, along the grapevine. Like, oh, guess what? They're doing these crazy things at these crazy parties. And, you know, I, I hear from so-and-so and so-and-so. And, and I think that's just of, such good gossip. It is great gossip. And it makes sense that people would gossip about that. Um, so I don't blame them for that, certainly. But it is important. Uh, it certainly was important for us to be able to to kind of get ahead of that curve and 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 just be really honest. And and also, it kind of came back as well to we had started to realize, you know, because we've been doing this for a fairly long time at this point, six or seven years, I guess, by by that stage when we came out to to my parents, is that it, we'd started to to understand that it was actually quite a part of our identity as well you know so it felt kind of disingenuous to to not share that with them at a certain point and you had started to share so beautifully with your writing and on your page and it was 
uh, yeah, it was something that we just kind of had had come to realize that we just weren't ashamed of. So, you know, in an ideal world, we'll tell them and they'll be really happy for us and go, okay, well, that's that's cool. That's that's your choice. And, you know, if that enriches you and enriches your relationship, then that's fantastic. Um, so I guess that was the gamble that we were we were taking. Yeah, I think we felt pretty secure that they would um, stand by us. Uh, not everybody is as fortunate as we are to have the families that we do. You know, this is, as we've said before, this is very highly stigmatised. There's a lot of, you know, moral- morality and monogamy are wrapped up and deeply entwined. There's a lot of misconceptions around, you know, if you're doing this, you must be a deeply selfish person who's, you know, totally distracted all of the time and not focusing on your family or your home life, you know, all of these untrue things. Um, and so, you know, we, we, we were nervous to share, but we knew that they would be, they know who we are and they know how much we love each other and all of that. So... That was really good. But I guess the question was about, you know, how can parents be supportive? So I would just say um, just really, um, you know, the way that, you know, I remember when you told your mom, I think you told her over the phone, but then you went out for lunch with her the next day and continued the conversation. She was a bit concerned at first, which is completely understandable. I remember she had some concerns around, you know, our relationship security and the security Mm. that we have as a family. You know, we are parents, you know, because it's very normal that, you know, hearing this could trigger something along the lines of, well, if there's going to be other people, that means there's, you know, it can trigger feelings of affair or um, the the beginning of the end or something like that and I think she was just so open to hear and learn and then just got on board with uh, you know she started following my page and reading about it and you know not being she's never overly um, you know she doesn't ask us very private intimate questions but has a very open curiosity to it and I know that now if we ever wanted to mention something we would be able to. One of the the key things that she asked me initially was you know it was about concerns around parenting and and kind of polyamory or open relationships and uh, I think that was what we then had these big discussions to clarify, you know, just reassuring her that, you know, um, no female partner is going to come in and, and replace you. And, and then suddenly we've got a new family unit and there's instability for, for our son and, and anything like that. And I think those, those kind of worst case scenarios in her mind were kind of, uh, were, were really helped by just discussions. And, and that's, and that's something as well is, is that from a from a, a parent's perspective of someone who's coming out to them as polyamorous, or if you are coming out to your parents, is having those conversations. You know, they they are uncomfortable conversations because they're just they're just new types of conversations to have. Um, it can get awkward. It can it can definitely get <laughs> awkward. But but if everyone's open to having these conversations, it's just really great just to kind of jump into the awkwardness kind of face first. You know, and just really and really answer the answer the questions even if if um certainly some of the questions for me I, I could easily have gone oh that's just insane like of course I'm not leaving Abby for you know some you know for another partner um but to be able to to, to really just kind of put those kind of fears to to rest uh, in the mind of the parent um I think it's really healthy to to be able to have those 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 really kind of open lines of communication and, and mm-hmm. honest conversation Yeah. And also having a real sense of kindness. You know, if you're coming out to your family, your parents, if you feel like it's right for you, you know, and I think the way that we felt, we have thought about this a lot. We have talked about it a lot. We have been living through this a lot. You know, non-monogamy, polyamory, this is something that we've had so many discussions. We've done so much processing and thinking and unpacking and sorting through and rejigging and all of that. So it's also just accepting that, you know, when you're giving people this information, they're going to take it from where they're at. They don't have mm. the background in having these big, deep conversations. They ha- they haven't done any of that sort of work around this stuff. So just sort of 
the fact that somebody might feel a bit defensive in hearing it or a little bit judgmental, a little bit concerned, that's also fair enough. Like we're living in a monogamous world and as long as they're not really putting that on you in a really horrible way, but, you know, having people push back a little bit when they hear this, I feel like, you know, ex- expect that and, and be kind to it and don't get into a an argument or anything. Like we're just coming from very different points with this information and gently finding the right way in being able to share and sort of, you know, not to sound, you know, like preaching, but sort of educating about our relationship and how it works for us so that they feel more at ease. Yeah. And they've come from a situation, generationally speaking, that they've had less exposure to to these type of relationships. These type of relationships are certainly not new. Um, You know, people have had open relationships forever. But in terms of the way that pop culture talks about them, um, you know, certainly our generation now is a lot more aware of these um, being viable relationship alternatives. Um, certainly to, to, to our parents and, you know, just, just those older generations. Um, so, yeah, like you're saying, just kind of really having a sense of, of kindness for, for different perspectives and, and how they approach, um, you know, they've approached their relationships in the past. Um, and, and in the best case scenario, which we are very lucky um, to have both been in, is that we were kind of received with this beautiful warmth and love and a respect that these are our decisions and, and, and we are committed to to making them work for us in a way that's really really um beautiful yeah absolutely now this your mum sent in another question it was Mm. a longer it was a longer voice memo that she sent in so we're we're about to hear the second part of her question okay here is the second part of my mum's question and i guess following on from that um if there are children of the couple involved then how and when Um, should these choices be discussed with their own children and at what age and again how best can grandparents perhaps support the children at that stage Um, I'd be really interested in knowing your take on all of that thanks the way that I think about this is to keep an open mind and thinking about this, you know, from a place of love and acceptance. And with young children, you know, our son is going to be four soon. We don't burden him with any adult concepts. It doesn't cross our mind to be having big relationship discussions or anything like that with him. You know, of course, that would be totally inappropriate. He's just a child and we look after him and play with him and have fun with him. And, you know, he's in his childhood spirit. So it's not something that we're thinking about too much. We also have a very, just in the way that our relationship is, we have a pretty monogamous home life. You know, of course, he has met different partners of ours at different times in our life because they're our friends. They're people who we care about. They're people who we socialize with. um, They're people who we enjoy spending time with. So, you know, of course, he knows them, but he knows them as as our friends um, because we're not really particular, we're not f- uh, physically affectionate or anything really with other partners in front of him. Because mm. um, we, you, you know, when he's around, we're always busy, you know, looking after him, and he's always sort of happens to somehow become the center of attention with everything. We're enjoying him, you know. We're not our focus is on him when we're with him. Um, I think about it as far as letting him know as he gets older. I've started to do things, you know, if we're watching a Disney movie or something like that, I'm saying to him, you know, afterwards or during, you know, I say, oh, you know, any, you know, it's okay if two women want to, they can love each other too, or two men. It's just very similar to that. So I've, I've, I think the way that I'm going to approach it with him is just say, you know, it's up to you who you love and who you choose to love and other people. And there's no cap on love. There's no mm. limit. You don't have to only have one partner. You know, he can he can basically do what he wants in a respectful way that respects, you know, his partners in his life. So we're always just going to be open with him in that sense. And I think... I'm not sure. When do you think we might let him know about non-monogamy? Interestingly, uh, we we have friends who, um, and they're not non-monogamous as far as I know. I don't want to make any assumptions. Um, But they they live in a multi-family house. So so two families live together. 
and we went over for a play date recently and you know our son is is playing with their kids and and both of them are in uh, a straight monogamous relationships just living under the same roof with yeah. three children just living under the same roof but i remember afterwards our son goes wow that was so cool they had two dads all the kids had two dads and two mums that's so cool oh yeah and then he said i want another mum and i thought <laughs> i can get you a few mums if you really <laughs> We were laughing. We were looking at each other just thinking that was really funny and sweet. But, I mean, that is the perfect kind of uh, intro into to having these discussions. Like you were saying, of course, in that situation, it wasn't because they were living as a, a polyamorous, um, you know, uh, enclave of, of lovers. But um, it was a really beautiful – it could have been a really beautiful chance, um, you know, if that was the case, to, to, to have those, like, really gentle discussions. And we kind of did in a way because we said, oh, isn't that great? He has um, – you know, the, the, those kids have two mums and two dads and, and we just wanted to make sure that there was no stigma attached to it um, in the way that we spoke about it, in the same way that, you know, if, if a kid in his kindergarten class has two mums, we just – treat it as absolutely normal and, and, and just don't make a thing out of it. So I think as he gets older and as we kind of continue in our parenting journey, there will be places where we can naturally bring up these things and, and do it in a really gentle way that we don't have to sit him down and have a discussion. Oh, well, this is, you know, this is this and this is that. Another thing that I'll mention as well is I think you know, some of the concern that can come up around children is sort of like, oh, you know, you've got children. Why would you have like so many adults around? Or does this mean that you have more adults in the house or they're going to get yeah confused with these multiple parent roles? Children of monogamous uh, parents often have four parents as well. Divorce is really common. It's very normal that children will end up having two households that they go to and not everybody is getting along and there's that aspect as well. So it's sort of like this isn't something that's specific to non-monogamy. It's like in monogamous culture, it's completely normalized that children have two households, four parents, all sorts of things happening. So, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's like people have to make the best decision to honor themselves, to honor their family. When healthy relationships are no longer working, they separate and they form a new connection with a new partner and have much healthier uh, living situations and safer homes and a more loving environment for their children. So, you know, but it's like the adults are just managing that. So, you know, having sort of multiple people around who are getting along, who are close, who can spend time together or go on a picnic and and whatnot, you know, I, I really don't see what uh, the damage is in that. Um, it's, it's for in, in our opinion, I, I think it's really lovely and it's really beautiful. And, and of course, you know, where we don't raise our children in a polyamorous uh, situation where we're raising our son with, you know, another family or other people, uh, but we absolutely will go and take him to a, a lovely afternoon picnic with, uh, you know, different partners. And sometimes, you know, if they have children, we'll all be hanging out and have a lovely time. There's just no problem with that. So, yeah, well, that's the beautiful thing is that that a lot of the people who are in these, um, you know, open relationships, they do have children as well. And it seems uh, crazy at a certain point to kind of compartmentalize everything so extremely. And it, and it can be a really beautiful situation because we gravitate towards people who are who are really loving and would be great parents and are great parents so naturally they have awesome kids and we're trying to you know raise us uh, our son in a really awesome way and and it's a beautiful thing to be able to to kind of celebrate that and 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 just have these these fantastic um kind of relationships with with families and also have that extra kind of dynamic i guess that's obviously separate from the the relationship that we have as friends and as um co-parents um in those situations but it's really beautiful um you know to have that kind of shared experience as well i think yeah uh Dr. Eli Sheff is an interesting person to check out if anybody is interested in, um, you know, learning a little bit more about uh, parenting and polyamory. She's uh, done a lot of research and um, study on polyamorous families and the children of polyamorous uh, parents. And what she found in her research was that uh, – the children of polyamorous parents 
um, have really flexible mindsets. They have really good uh, communication skills. Um, they know how to deal with conflict really well because the parents aren't sort of into shutting things down. It's sort of like, well, we have to get on board and have these conversations. Um, she did say that the stigma that can come from uh, the, the problems that can come up for children in non-monogamous and polyamorous families um, is actually uh, comes down to bullying. So when other people, you know, find out and don't have a... Um, you know, they don't have an understanding and there's judgment that comes in, you know, the child might stop being invited to play dates or get togethers and, and things like that. That's when it can become hard. And another problem that comes about is the, the main one is actually if a grandparent is not in support of the polyamorous relationship and starts, you know, putting concern into the child's mind about their parents. And that's when the child can get really conflicted because they have such a, they might have such a close relationship with their grandparent and their parents so it's sort of this being torn in the middle of not you know being on different sides and feeling confused and not really knowing who to feel secure with in their opinion so they're sort of the main things it's not because anything's wrong with having polyamorous uh, parents it's it's from the outside judgments that come in on the child and on the family so you know, what I took from that was basically just don't bully or leave out the children of polyamorous parents. That's what I took away from that. Obviously, that's going to be hard. So in in summary, I think we are, again, extremely lucky to have supportive families who have been very open to us coming out. We were nervous about coming out to them and we knew that they would most likely be supportive. Mm. Um, so we have to acknowledge just our, you know, our sheer good fortune in having um, you know, parents and family members who, who would likely receive us with grace and, and also um, with love and affection and support. Um, and that's not the case for everyone. Um, and, and a lot of people have a lot of pain around coming out and it is a really difficult thing. So it is important that if, if you are in that situation and and um you know you've uh, as you said kind of earlier is that you don't have to come out if you, if you don't need to come out you don't have to come out if you think that there's going to be so much adverse reaction from the process of coming out you know maybe it's it's best just to not but if you if you do feel that it's it's a really important thing to come out to your family you know just seeking the 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 advice and support of friends who may have also gone through those same things um, is just so important. And that's why it's so important that people start really openly discussing open relationships and these particular, you know, the, the, the nuances of, of these things um, and the process of coming out. Uh, because without these kind of conversations, it can feel really isolating to people um, who, are, who are going through that. I, I feel really grateful that we, and really happy with our decision that we decided to actually use our privilege to be able to come out. We're privileged in the sense that we can be ourselves. We can come out. We're still loved. We're not losing jobs. We are very secure. So that's a really privileged place to be in. And by us coming out and using that privilege helps to normalize this for other people. So, you know, if if you can come out, great. And if you can't, no pressure, no expectation. You have to make sure that, you know, you're safe and you don't want to damage your relationships unnecessarily. I do want to I do want to jump in because when we first got into uh when we first started exploring open relationships and we've always been really into podcasts there is a particularly incredible podcast um called That Couple Next Door. Oh, we love it. And we love That Couple Next Door. I, mean, I, think, I think you've probably listened to every episode. Oh, yeah, I have, yeah. It's 100%. a different type of podcast. Well, we made the, <laughs> you know, with this podcast, we've kind of made a little bit of a of, of a deliberate decision to not get too slutty on it. Um, it's and, not an explicit podcast, our one. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, maybe one day we'll do an XXXX rated episode and put it behind, you know. Oh, it's going to be behind a paywall. <laughs> behind the, the, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, but this particular podcast is really fantastic. Um, and they've, I think, probably done maybe 
85, 100 episodes. It's gone over a few years. And it's this uh, couple from America who, um, you know, have have documented in a podcast form their journey of coming out, um, you know, as as swingers, um, at, which is the, the term they would use to describe themselves and all these amazing experiences that they've had. But just recently, a few months ago, they made um, they made uh, the announcement that due to one of their jobs and the fact that they had to um, they're going to be relocating for their job and this new particular job it was it was too risky for them even though they're completely anonymous through the podcast it was they, they felt it was too risky to have their voices on a public platform discussing in a really beautiful and affectionate and loving and also really slutty but amazing way very fun and playful very fun and playful um, yeah, they made the decision, we're actually going to take everything down for a few years, which which really made me think because, as you said, we're in a really fortunate position um, that we, we can... Uh, we can talk about this freely um, in a way, you know, that, that 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 we feel comfortable with. But but theirs was such a resource. Their podcast was such a resource, certainly for for us. You know, it's sad that that these are the things that are are still happening. Yeah, it is really sad. My hopes are that every, you know, things are slowly moving and changing into more of a sex positive uh, world where there isn't going to be as much shame or anything, and we can break away from that and, you know, have this idea that if people are living their life, honouring their loved ones, themselves, being happy, having freedom of expression and, you know, having the shame taken out, that people should just be able to, to do what they want. And it is sad that people's work, you know, might people might lose their jobs, people might lose their family members, you know, all of this. So, so that couple next door, we salute you. You are podcast slutty pioneers and absolute legends um so if if uh listeners to this can manage to find their podcast in the uh wherever it may exist if it does still exist up there um we encourage you to do so but let's move on to our next question which comes from america between the two of you was there one of you who is more hesitant to trying new things and how did you deal with it oh this is this is a good one Short and sweet, but I kind of I kind of dig it. I like the short and sweet question. Yeah. Um. Can you go first? Yeah. I mean, this is a between the two of us. Is one of us more hesitant, or what was the exact phrasing? It was like, is one of us more hesitant to try new things, mm. and if so, how did we like work through that? To be honest, I think we're both pretty pretty open to trying everything. Yeah, we're pretty open. I feel like we've always been. Um, on the same page or very similar pages. Mm. I would probably say that you have always been a little bit more open to things than I have. You've mm. definitely, you know, you just, when we decided to open up our relationship, you know, you just had compersion there at 100%, ready to go, really feeling amazing about it. And I felt amazing about it too, but was much more like controlling and putting mm. things in little boxes and, you know, very specific and, you know, which can be quite hard. Um, so that's one thing that comes to mind. But I mean, do we have like a particular example? I feel like this is a anecdote moment. What's our anecdote? This is an anecdote moment. <laughs> well, it's funny you say about the same, uh, us being on the same page. I feel like at certain points in our relationship, we've been on the same page, but maybe we haven't read the books that the other person in the couple has, has read. Like when we first got together, um, I think I was really open to exploring, you know, different like power dynamics stuff and, and all of that kind of thing. And it's something that I'd, I'd checked out a lot before, but you hadn't necessarily kind of experienced um, a lot of that stuff or kind of participated in a lot of that stuff in some of your previous relationships. So in that situation, I was super eager and super keen because I could see that you were so open-minded, but you were, you were still kind of, um, you know, kind of getting into that, um, that space. And it was, it was really just trying to present you with a, a book and asking you whether you wanted to, to read it with me. Oh yeah, you were amazing. You sent me like every single link, all, all of these the all of these books. You're like, check all of this out. It was 2012. I was like, whoa, we'd been together for about two months. 
I was like, man, this guy is like, you're like, you're full on, you know, (laughs) but I'm super open-minded. So I was like, okay, awesome. But I wanted to, you know, figure out what I was into and have really, you know, be, um, you know, doing things that I felt, you know, naturally were going to be great for me and you and not just for you and things like that. So, Well, I felt like you doubled down. I felt like you you tried to, certainly because we had that NRE kind of coursing through our veins, you kind of of doubled down on my enthusiasm and then kind of matched my enthusiasm, which made me more enthusiastic. And ultimately, it kind of was this volcano of of uh, enthusiasm and eroticism that kind of fueled the the, the start of our totally. relationship. I th- I think I became a little bit competitive with myself. Like if mm. we were sort of talking about BDSM stuff or whatever, an example, you know, just say I was going to get into some domination. I was like, mm. great. So I'm going to be like the best dom ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like- and I'd sent you all the all the links at the at the time, and and it's still a great website, and it's a a great. Um, you know, a great advocate for really safe um, and consensual BDSM practices. But kink.com was a website that I kind of followed um, forever. And, uh, and I remember us talking about this initially. And then, and then uh, you said, okay, well, I really want to check out some stuff. And I'd love to figure out like, you know, how to do this right. And then you just basically just consumed all of, all of the website. I consumed all of the website and then came out the other end and was like, I'm a pro dom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not not short of uh, not short of confidence, uh, which I guess you need to be a pro dom. So you know it, it worked out well. Um, but yeah, the, and that type of thing is is uh, and and I think within any relationship, you know, making a safe space for your partner to kind of confess, you know, what they're what they're really interested in exploring, or um, you know, that's that's so important. And I never felt judged um, mm. by you at any point with saying what I was into and hopefully you never felt judged by anything that you told me about. Never. No, I've, I've never felt judged by you. I've never felt nervous to share anything with you, any thought or desire or, you know, exciting little thought that flickers through my mind. I've always felt comfortable to share that with you. And I'm not sure if I've mentioned it, if we have mentioned it before, I think I've definitely mentioned it in my writing, but I would say that connecting over the BDSM stuff early on in our relationship, totally, I feel like totally was part of the way in which our non-monogamy has been made possible as far as communication, like to be able to share such private, personal desires and interests in that very vulnerable way. You know, like any conversation that came after that was sort of, you know, far easier. And I know it's, you know, I think I think easier than it would have been if we hadn't have had those sorts of connections with one another and held each other safe in really intimate ways and, you know, in physically and emotionally and all of that. It really made the non-monogamy stuff are more approachable and possible for us yeah and 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 also taking that sense of enthusiasm just in fantasy because the enthusiasm doesn't have to be an enthusiasm for something that's definitely going to happen you know we can we can share a fantasy with each other that might feel a little extreme or feel a little crazy or out there but because we know that it's just going to stay in fantasy land at least initially unless we felt really comfortable exploring that um, you know, it allows us uh, to kind of have this free range of, of imagination and sexual exploration in a really safe and, and, and uh, you know, um, caring environment between each other. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we have worked really hard to cultivate. And I think something that's a really great thing for any um, relationship to kind of uh, possess. Mm. We, on the topic of fantasies and having things stay in fantasy land, we still have some fantasies that have never been acted upon. They've never become a reality. These are fantasies that we've had, you know, one in particular for 10 years and we keep coming back to it and we're just happy that it's it lives in that space. We don't have to act it out just yet, you know. We, it's the clown fantasy, right? No. <laughs> Nothing wrong with the clown fantasy, but um, so there's big noses, there's big red noses. It's not. It's definitely not that. But 
you know, I think I think it's like the imagination is so important. It's such a powerful tool and such a safe space to indulge in in any way with the yeah, BDSM stuff or the non-monogamy stuff. I feel like you can totally indulge in the non-monogamy in your imagination without having to actually mm. um, you know, act on it and and make it become real. So And in some ways that's the best place to begin, you know, making it making it real doesn't necessarily um, you know, getting to that stage quicker doesn't make it a better experience. I think in a lot of ways, strengthening um, through fantasy um, before anything happens in reality is is just such a powerful way to kind of explore some of your own emotional responses to it and whether you're comfortable with things. Because if you're not comfortable with something when it's discussed as a fantasy, in reality, it's very unlikely that it's ever going to be a situation where you go, oh, actually, but in reality, that was that was great. Mm. You know. Have we veered from the question? Do you think we answered it sufficiently? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. I feel in like we just got in like and of clowns itself. and big red noses Clown and BDSM I mean, and kink.com. I mean, dear listener, <laughs> if, you, if you have any specific clown fantasies, um, write them in to us because Abby would love to read them. Um, no, I, I, I think the, the, the essence of the question was, you know, have we... Do we have differing uh, kind of levels of, of um, exploratory um, kind of veerings? Um, and I think, you know, we're lucky that we do have very, we're both very open-minded and we both really like to experiment and, and you know, um, you know, we've only got one life. So, you know, give, a, give everything a crack. Give it a crack, baby. Give it a crack. Okay. Well, in the spirit of giving it a crack... Um, we're going to go to our next question. That's a that's an awful segue. Um, the podcast gods are looking down on me with disdain right now. But uh, we're going to go to our last question. Um, and this also comes from America. I just wanted to start off by saying the podcast is courageous, genuine, and honest. And though I don't currently practice non-monogamy myself, your candor in evolved way of being has opened my soul to the different forms of love, relationships, and sexual expression. So my question here, what I wanted to share is that as a child, I always wanted to stay under the radar. I fulfilled that good girl role within my family and followed the rules for the most part and lived a life that was very achievement oriented. Um, masturbation during my early, early years and early adulthood were more about self-soothing. And in partnerships, I tended to deny myself uh, self-pleasure because I had this idea that I needed to hold out or give myself fully to my partner. Um, it also meant that if and when I caught my partner masturbating, uh, I took it more personally than I should have. It started to make me feel neglected and insecure and angry. And for someone who's quite sexual, I wanted to develop the language to explore these things openly, whether solo or together, without fear of shame between either of us. Have you ever felt that sex is sometimes sex, but masturbation is the most intimate and vulnerable window to our souls? And that... It takes a lot to be able to be intimate in front of your partner in that way, um, which I haven't quite gotten a hold of yet, but maybe you guys have, and you can give me some tips on that too. Amazing sharing and beautiful question. Amazing question. Uh, I, I feel like this is really interesting. The topic of masturbation, I feel like this is something that often comes up in my groups of friends, my groups of uh, monogamous women who I am friendly with, and we have conversations about you know our intimacies, our relationships. Uh and, and for me, it always comes back to autonomy and being in sexual energy with ourself and not feeling sort of possessive over our partner. I sort of feel like, mm. you know, this idea of feeling like our partner should be giving us their sexual energy and not to themselves. You know, these are sort of fundamental uh, ways of looking at autonomy and body and self-connection. Um, I'm of the personal belief that my body is my body. My sexual expression is my sexual expression. Your body is your body. Your sexual expression is your sexual expression. Mm. And I'm such a firm believer in, you know, masturbation is healthy. It's wonderful. And I feel like the more that we can be in our own sexual flow with ourselves, the more open we then can be with our partner. Um, I also feel like masturbation is wonderful for so many reasons. It's a great stress relief. It's to connect in. It, you can come and be present with yourself. It can be a, a bit of a meditation. It can be a he healthy escapism. Uh, there's so many benefits to masturbating. I just think that, you know, everybody should be doing it. 
And um, yeah, I don't know. What do you want to? I'm going to add more stuff, but I feel like you're ready to burst. Well, well <laughs> God, that is that is loaded terminology in this uh, in this particular question. It's okay, but, babe. Drop the load. Drop the load. Okay. Well, here we go. Um, well. It's it, it kind of raises it, it's like you're saying it's it's the autonomy thing, but it's also uh, it raises the questions of possessiveness over our partners. You know, it, it's the, there's this old kind of trope that I often hear. It's 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 when guys don't feel comfortable with their female. Um, usually, it's it's their female partners using sex toys because they feel emasculated by the fact that they're using a sex toy and they're not bringing their partner all the pleasure, which is just so basic and um and 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 it's just it just feels like uh you know that there's there's so many problems within those statements and really what we want to kind of work against um trying to reprogram the the dialogue in terms of the way um we interact with our partners because we really we should be uplifting their sexuality and if if your partner wants to have an amazing sexual experience and to get there they want to use toys and all the things. That's that's fine. You should buy the whole sex sex store and <laughs> and bring in every single toy that they could possibly desire in an ideal world. I think we shouldn't be afraid as partners to to really uplift um, our partners sexually and give them autonomy to have these beautiful experiences. Because ultimately, it feeds back into you know their relationship with us, and and you know and, and the way that the, the kind of sexual pot gets boiled together, um, and and if it takes sexual toys, if it takes masturbation, then that's that's a beautiful thing. I think mm. it's really important that we should we should celebrate our partner's decisions and and kind of movements towards um, uh, you know celebrating their own sexuality in this way. Yeah, lowering the ego. And upping the pleasure and mm. coming at this perspective where, like, your whole pleasure doesn't need to be about me having to give you that pleasure. Like, mm. as long as you're getting the pleasure and you're feeling good and you're in your flow, then that is beautiful. That's magical. Take the time to, you know, access that in whatever way feels wonderful for you. And sort of being like, it does, like, I, like, the you know, me personally, for you, Liam, if you're masturbating, it's like, I don't have to be like not everything. I don't have to be there. I don't have to be directly giving you pleasure. Like you're a capable person. You can like enjoy yourself and your own pleasure. And like, you know, it doesn't always have to be centered, you know, on me in that way. In saying that, I like it if you think about me. But, <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, the The interesting correlation here, I think, is that the, the ability to encourage our partners to masturbate in a really healthy way that doesn't necessarily revolve around us has all these flow and effects that are really important in a uh, in an open relationship um, for instance you know I, I feel really great in you having these great kind of solo experiences with yourself and masturbating and using toys or whatever you you feel really kind of uplifts your sexual sexual pleasure pleasure in that moment but in the same way I also want you to have amazing experiences sexually with other partners you know it's a, it's exactly the same thing my compersion kind of crosses the, the the bridge in so many different ways you know when you are having a sexual experience with another partner I want that to be incredible there's no part of me that thinks oh, I hope it's actually pretty bad because then I'll look amazing and then I'll be like this king who is the only person who can give you pleasure which is just unrealistic and also it's it, there's just so much ego involved in that that the the only person it really serves would be my ego if I was kind of to approach the situation in that way if we're really looking at as a pleasure centric model where ideally we we remove the ego out of it you know by uplifting our partner to masturbate or to have amazing sexual experiences that don't necessarily involve us mm. that's what we should all be striving for and sometimes it's hard to get to that place and and of course ego does is present sometimes um, but ultimately I, I, I really, you know, I, I feel it's so important to, to be able to, to enter into that space of uplifting your partner and their, their sexual experiences. I love you. I'm just like sitting here listening to you talk. You're this amazing. This is foreplay, baby. This is foreplay. I mean, yeah. Sorry. You're just so impressive. You should be, you could have been like a sex therapist or something. I mean, you kind of are, you're like my 
sex therapist. It's hot. Let's do it. Anyway, I don't really have anything to add to that. I just, yeah, I'm just smiling at you. Beautiful. Well, perhaps that is perhaps that is the natural conclusion. Well said. <laughs> to to today's podcast episode. Oh, is it over? Is it over? Yeah, we've got to leave the leave the leave it in suspense. Okay, but our next podcast will be coming out sooner than this one did. That, that was an exceptionally long gap in between podcast episodes. It was, it was, and we apologise. Um, lots of people have been reaching out um, to your Instagram page, of course, and saying when's the next one dropping, and and it's been really nice to receive the compliments um, about the past ones. But you are always writing. Your writing has never ceased. Yes. Um, and this, at the moment, is a labor of love. Um, you know, you basically, this is like, it's almost developed into a, a full-time job for you, um, which you love. And and uh, I really love it. It's a great outlet. It's really enjoyable. I've, you know, building a really cool community. I'm always in touch with different people. And, you know, it's it feels really wonderful. But, yeah, yeah. Um, Sometimes it's a bit of a break in between the podcast episodes because we still have, you know, we're still working, we're parents, we have different things happening. We yeah. have partners, we're Ideally, we have we'd each just other. be full-time podcasters chatting with people about open relationships. and I know, pay and, us the money and we'll just talk to you all day long. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but saying that, we have had a few people reach out and, and ask whether they could support us in different ways. And as I said, at the moment, it has been uh, kind of a labor of love from you, certainly spending so much time writing and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And we are... I'm very excited to announce that we will be actually starting a Patreon um, soon. Um, so stay tuned for that. There's going to be lots of awesome things that being a member of our Patreon will unlock. It's going to be super exciting. Super exciting. There's going to be Discord communities. There's going to be access to um, photos that we can't share on Instagram because <laughs> because uh, we'd get banned from Instagram. Yeah. So there's going to be there's going to be lots of uh, lots of beautiful things um, to check out. And if you would like to support us there, we would love to have your support. Yeah. And and there'll also be. I'm really excited about it. We're going to have some cool, you know, behind the paywalls, we're going to have some cool erotic stories as well, mm. which is going to be really fun. Yeah, so. you'll be sharing some of your erotic writing, which is which is uh, rather exciting. And it's great that you'll be able to, to put it out into the yeah. out into the world. Yeah. So we, we are really excited to, to share that and stay tuned. Uh, we'll be announcing that on uh, the Instagram page when that's all up and live. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We can't wait to record the next one. Um, please reach out. Let us know what you thought about this. And, uh, yeah, we'll uh, be talking to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.